then just just launch out into that specific assignment because I think it is so vital, not only for you personally, but for the the progress that God has in store for us as a church and a, a family. We are setting purposefully our expectation on increase, on being supply conscious. We are going to refuse every source of information that tries to plant an image or transmit an image of lack or dread or insufficiency in our lives. We are in a place in our lives as believers that we do not need to permit the enemy to constantly broadcast his image of failure or defeat or lack into our lives. We have enough knowledge of the word of God to recognize how he works. The Bible says we do not lack understanding. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices, his schemes, his strategies. We know how he operates. He operates by putting thoughts in the mind that become uh, uh, imaginations that turn into strongholds if they are allowed to persist. We have been given weapons the weapons of our warfare are mighty and they will pull down strongholds they will cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god through the weapons that god has supplied we can take every thought captive and it's not hard it is not hard to take thoughts captive as a matter of fact, if you'll take them captive in the thought form, they will never progress to become an imagination or proceed even further to become a stronghold. If I will take them captive at the thought level and not just dealing with the negative, but I also want to purposefully give my attention to God's thoughts, to God's words, that will transmit the proper image that he wants me to have in my spirit. Words transmit images. If I, uh, this morning I explained it this way. I have a new puppy. Pray for me. And uh, this puppy, I can tell you what my puppy looks like. You've never seen the puppy unless I've showed you a picture already. But if, if even though you've never seen my puppy... If I transmit the image of what my puppy looks like, you would be able to identify her in a group of other dogs that look differently because my puppy is a little tiny black poodle. She fits in my purse. I don't know if she'll always fit in my purse, but right now I'm taking advantage of it, and I just put her in my purse and just take her on in. And so... Uh, now you have an image because I've transmitted that image into your understanding. And all words transmit images. We need to be very selective of the words that we are allowing to transmit images into our heart. And that's why you've got to be selective about what you watch on TV, uh, what you give attention to on Facebook. Because you don't want an image of high gas prices transmitted into your spirit that make you suddenly begin to dread 
going to the gas station or dreading financial things. And you, you don't want that image transmitted. Why? Because you will always have enough. In the kingdom, in the kingdom, my supply is not based on the current price. My supply is not based on what's going on in the natural world around me. My supply is a kingdom supply. And so that's why I've got to purposefully, not just, not just guard against the negative, but I need to on purpose set my expectation higher by taking the word and placing it in my spirit on purpose. And so I want to talk about the... The, the, the way an expectation would work, just as we, we because we are expecting. We, if, if we, want to, um, we want to develop our expectation. Expectation is not just going to happen. You have to develop it. You have to say, okay, I'm going to put this scripture in front of my face until that transmits an image of that being in my life and then I will, I will be able to see clearly how to walk that out in my life. I've got to purposefully pull out the words to transmit the image of increase, to transmit the image of supply, until I see myself fully supplied. You could say it this way. You've got to pull the seed out and plant it in the heart so that you have a harvest of expectation. And so the word expectation, and this is a, a dictionary, it says, a, a dictionary definition, it says the word expect means to look forward to. So we want to look forward to provision. We want to look forward to supply. Dread is the negative operation of expectation. Dread works the exact same way. And so the enemy will try to put images of lack or images of struggle into people's hearts. And, and when, when uh, that is permitted, then that person begins to have a full video of what's going to play out in their life if such and such happens. Even though nothing has happened, they're, they're there visiting it in their emotions. They are living in it with their mind. They are dreading it, and so they even have their blood pressure going up. They have all of the physical responses to something that's not even taking place. That's why when a person gets a negative report from the doctor, they have to know how to guard their heart and their mind because if that is left unattended so that those thoughts just constantly play and so they're trying to lay down on their bed at night and and their mind keeps kicking on with the worry about what's going to happen what's going to happen what's going to happen what's going to happen and and they're visiting that with all of their imagination and they're playing out all of the scenarios that haven't even happened how many, how many parents have ever, when your kids were teenagers and they were late getting home, and you're sitting there with all kinds of ridiculous ideas going through your, maybe they were in a car wreck, maybe they got pulled over, maybe this, maybe that, maybe they had a flat tire, and you've got videos playing in the mind that have no validity. There's no evidence of it. 
but the thoughts are taking you to experience something that hasn't happened. Well, we can do that in the, in the, uh, in the word and, and, and put ourselves in a, a flow of the word of God so that we're expecting so that on something that has evidence. With the word of God, I have evidence to back it up. Faith is substance. Faith is evidence. Faith is the title deed. I have, it, I'm not just imagining something that I'm pulling out here from, from nothing. I am imagining out of the word of God that has a foundation. It's established. And it is the source of everything that exists. Everything that is made was made by the word. So if I'm meditating the word, I'm imagining the word, I'm expecting the word, I have actual substance to what I'm expecting. Amen. So looking forward to. Uh, to regard as likely to happen. Now for the believer, when we're talking about the word, that's not probably that is, go ahead and set the table. Go ahead and get, get the bread in the oven because we're going into the land that flows with milk and honey. And if you've got milk and honey, you need some fresh bread, right? So go ahead and get the bread ready. Just go ahead and start. Why are you breaking bread? Why are you, why are you got the bread going in the oven? Why are you doing that? Because I'm entering the land that flows with milk and honey. Amen. And so I am regarding it as likely to happen. I remember when I was a, a teenager, I had a bus driver, and she was so, she was so uh, uh, accurate with her time. I couldn't sleep late because I would miss school, you know, because my, my parents had already left to go to work, and so we were responsible to get ourselves to the bus stop, and she was going to be on time, and I could not you know, turn around and say, hey, 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 slow down because I'm not ready yet. I had to be there because it, it was likely that she was going to be there. It wasn't probably. The woman was going to be on time and I better be in my place. So this is that expectation that we are using in our lives that, that this is the word of God. And I'm expecting the word to come to pass there is, this is not probably hope so, maybe so, this is secure. The Bible says it is of faith that it might be by grace so that the promise would be sure, valid, so that the promise would be guaranteed, <laughs> guaranteed, amen? That's what we have. We have the guarantee. So it also means to anticipate the occurrence of something. And the word anticipate means to realize beforehand. To realize beforehand. It means foretaste or foresee. And we're talking about setting our expectation dial specifically to full supply and increase. That's the plan of God for our lives. That's the will of God for our lives, but it's not automatic. It's automatically yours, but it's not automatic in manifestation. We have a part to play. If we don't believe it, we won't receive it. Amen. He said that there was a full promised land set before the children of Israel, but because of their unbelief, they could not enter in. 
It wasn't because God was keeping them from it. It wasn't because uh, God was making it hard for them. It was because they wouldn't believe. And in the original language, it says they were non-persuadable. God couldn't persuade them. He said they have erred in their hearts because they don't know my ways. And he had been trying to show his ways. He had been revealing his goodness. He brought water out of a rock. He had a rock that followed them around the wilderness. And millions of people were supplied, supplied, supplied with water from a rock. My God shall supply all your needs. He can bring water out of a rock. He brought bread from heaven. They said, we want some bread. We, we need some bread. We need some meat. And God said, you tell them that by this time tomorrow, they're going to have quail, they're going to have meat, and they're going to have bread. And they had quail that came up in the camp. Quail just flew right up into their hands. They didn't have to go hunting for it. They didn't have to go searching for it. I mean, up to their waist, flocks of kale, of, of flocks of... of <laughs> <laughs> not kale <laughs> flocks of the of this quail came up into the tent into the camp and they just reached down and picked up chicken dinner <laughs> winner winner chicken dinner hey we've got meat and then they get up in the morning they come out and everybody is walking out and they say what is what is it what what is it? That's what the word manna means. Manna doesn't mean bread from heaven. Manna is a word that means what is it? They're walking around picking up, and they're saying, what is it? What is it? Thank God for the man of God. Preacher's in the house. The preacher steps out and says, this is the bread. God supplied for them. God supplied for them. He supplied the water. He supplied the quail. He supplied the bread. And every day they could come out and gather the supply of God. And God was showing them his ways. He was revealing his goodness with every provision. Revealing his goodness as he brought them out with all of the wealth of Egypt. He brought them out and at the Red Sea made them debt free. He brought them out. He brought them out with supply. He brought them out with his goodness he provided a protection at night from the the cold and a protection during the day from the heat he his protection kept the vipers at bay until they broke down that wall of protection and began to complain and the snakes came in and God was so merciful that even though they had opened the door to the destruction that was getting into their life God said I'm going to provide a redemption for you and I'm going to put the snake on the pole and then and when you, whoever looks at, whoever looks at the judgment on Jesus, which is what the snake, the bronze serpent, bronze was a representation of judgment, and the snake was the curse, and Jesus became cursed for us so that we could be blessed. 
Jesus took all the punishment of our sin. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement necessary to obtain our peace was on him. And by his stripes we are healed. And they, they were under the old covenant and had a provision that is a shadow of what we have in reality. And they would look, and it said when they would look with expectation. I love how the Amplified says it. It said they would look attentively expecting with the vipers slithering around their feet with the pain in their ankle from the bite of that venomous snake, with their loved ones and other friends laying dead around them, they have to take their eyes off the pain. They have to take their eyes off the fear. They have to take their eyes off of all of the destruction that others, and they have to look on expecting something from God in this representation that is ours by reality. We've got to look at the right thing, and we've got to look at Jesus. We've got to look at the provision that's available to us in Christ. We've got to look at the victory that's ours. You are an heir of God, an heir. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And Jesus has become heir of all things, and you have equal portion share with him. Amen. How can any of us struggle if we know what's ours by inheritance? How can we dread if we have our eyes on him and his provision? Amen? We can't. If, if there's dread, we're looking at the wrong thing. If there's dread, there's something that has transmitted an image into our heart that should not be present in our heart. And we're going to have to flush it out with the word. We're going to have to take the washing of the water of the word and flush out that wrong image and transmit the image of victory. This is the victory that overcomes the high gas prices. This is the victory that overcomes, and you fill in the blank overcomes whatever. This is the victory that overcomes even our faith. Faith in what? Faith in all that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. And the result of that is that we are in him. In him, we are heirs of God. In him, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In him, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. In him, we are always going over, never going under. In him, God always causes us to triumph. In him, he gives us the victory. That's the, that's the transmission of an image that you can't get from CNN or ABC or NBC or whatever. You can't get it from, from, from scrolling through social media. You're going to have to allow the Word of God to transmit the image of how God sees you. God sees you in Christ. God sees you fully supplied. God sees you as a covenant heir. God sees you as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
So we've got to anticipate that. We've got to set the dial of our expectation on what the word of God will transmit into our, uh, into our lives. So Philippians chapter 4, let's see divine order today. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. It's a familiar scripture, but please turn to it and put your eyes on it anyway. Because spiritual maturity is revealed when you can look at a scripture you've heard thousands and thousands of times and say, I get something out of that every time I hear it. I, I never want to come to a place where I say, yeah, I know that verse. Because knowing it's not how faith comes. Amen. Knowing it doesn't produce. Faith comes by hearing it. And hearing it with fresh ears, hearing it like this is the first time I've heard it, even though I've heard it multiple, 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 multiple times. 419 of Philippians, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This is a divine order. God is first. God is first. And we've talked about this before, but I want you to, it's not clicheic. This is revelation. God is first. Supply is second. Need is down at the bottom of the, the list. We don't go to God talking about need. We go to God talking about who he is and the supply he's already made ours. And I'll use Jehoshaphat again as an example because when he was surrounded on every hand so that in, in the city of Judah they had no option that they could see in the natural. They were surrounded on every side. And he comes to God and he doesn't talk about the enemy. He doesn't talk about the size of his army. He doesn't talk about the, the dilemma that they're in. He opens the conversation talking about how great God is. How awesome and mighty and strong and powerful. And, 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 and he exalts God. And no matter what you're facing, it's not bigger than him. If, if in your mind it's so big, you're having a hard time, all you can talk about is the problem, you're looking at the wrong thing. Like we, if any of us, if any of us get to the place that the problem looks so big, it's because we've been looking at the wrong thing, transmitting the wrong image into our heart. And so he begins talking about God. And he talks about how amazing and powerful and omnipotent. And then he begins to talk about the supply. He said, God, you said that if we ever got into any kind of situation that we could call on your name. That's his supply. He's got a word. He's got a promise. So he brings up God's ability. And then he brings up what God has said about supplying their help for them. And then they're at the last. He mentions the issue. Now, Lord, you look and you see this, but we're going to trust in you. See, it got such little airtime. The problem got such little, little, little airtime in the conversation. Let me spend more time talking about you. Let me spend more time talking about what you've provided for me in your word, the victory that you made mine. 
that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm always going, let me talk about the blessing. Let me talk about my redemption in Christ Jesus. And then by the time you get to the problem, you won't be that impressed with the problem anymore because you got so impressed with God, right? That's divine order. That's divine order. They did the same thing in Acts chapter 4 when they were threatened not to preach anymore in Jesus' name. They come to God and they gather together with their company and they began to pray together in a corporate prayer, but they started out by exalting God. They started out by, by glorifying and, and just reviewing all of the uh, achievements of God and His power. And then they got down to the, the problem. And by the time they got down to the problem, they were praying the answer. Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal. Give us, grant unto your servants boldness. Lord, that signs and miracles would be done in the name of Jesus. I mean, by the time they got to the problem, they already had the answer in their mouth. Why? Because they had the divine order. So God is in front of the need. God and then his supply and then the need. If, uh, if we try to change the order and go to God on the basis of the need, we're already at a deficit. If we go to God on the basis of the need, we're not on the basis of the supply. That would be like me walking into the bank and saying, I have money in my account. I want you to give me this amount of money. I, I, I need this amount of money. Give me my money. They're going to, they're going to, they want, that's not the right way. I can't walk in and demand that they meet the need out of my account. It's mine, it's in my account, but there's a proper way for me to withdraw what's in my account. And, and telling them my need is not going to get them to give me the funds that belong to me. And so faith is the proper way to receive out of our supply, not need. God's not moved by need. If God was moved by need, there would be no starving children on the earth. God has established that it is, he has established the grace and he has given us faith. And he said it's of faith so that it might be by grace so that this, for this reason, so that the promise would be sure to all the seed. If I'll appropriately, with the right order, approach, then I will have guaranteed reception. So this is why we want to, to recognize the accurate order. And we looked this morning at Matthew chapter 6, and we may look at uh, uh, something, but let me just talk about Matthew chapter 6 for the sake of time because I want us to take that next step for us tonight. It, when Jesus was teaching, he said, don't take thought for your life. He didn't say, y'all don't need that. You don't need that. You don't, you don't need that. He said, don't take thought for it. And the Amplified says, worried, anxious thought. He said, worry no one by worrying can change the situation. He said, you cannot add one cubit. That means you can't even grow an inch by worrying. Worrying is never going to fix anything. So he said, don't take worried, anxious thought. But he said, seek the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So 
he, he gives them an instruction. Instead of worrying, look at the fowls of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. Why? Because God provides for them, and they don't have seed time and harvest. They don't have the ability to, to gather a harvest into a barn, and God provides for them. And aren't you in, aren't you in a much better position than they are? So he, what he's saying is don't look at the lack, look at the supply. Don't look at the lack, look at supply. Look at the birds, they always have supply. And then he said the lilies, what did he tell us to look at about the lilies specifically? They don't toil, they don't spin, but they always have supply. They always have supply. And then he said, you seek the kingdom and you'll always have supply. Why? Because the supply is in the kingdom. He said, don't seek the need. Isn't that what he's saying? Take no thoughts. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? Don't take those thoughts. Don't open your mouth and own them by speaking them. You bring thoughts into possession in your life when you give voice to them. When you, if, you wanna, if you want to own 1 Peter 2.24, put it in your mouth. By his stripes, I'm healed. Now, you have just brought it into your possession. And the same way as if you speak worry, you brought worry into your possession. And it is contraband. Don't you get patted down and caught with that. Worry is contraband. Get it out. Get that out. Why? Because you can't find a scripture that permits worry. And Jesus said, don't take the thought by saying, and then he begins to voice all the questions that people say. Don't take thought by questioning. How are we going to make it? What's going to happen next? What are we going to do? How is this going to change? How am I ever going to get over this? How are we going to pay this debt off? How, 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 why, what, where, what? All of the questions, there's no answer in that question. There's no substance of, 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 of God in that question. It's just going to breed more fear. So he said, don't take those thoughts. Instead, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, and all these things will be added unto you. So he said, the proper way is the order. Don't go to God with the need. If you pray the need, you're going to have great faith in the need. Oh, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, it's bad. Lord, I've got this going on, and Lord, my son is this, and Lord, my daughter is this, and Lord, my situation, and Lord, that my job. And, you're, and the more you talk about it, the more that you're voicing that, he never said, come and pray the problem. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Pray desires. What do you want? What's the outcome you want? You've been spending time in the word of God. You, you can see how God would want it to turn out. Father, 
I thank you that great is the peace of my children and my children are taught of the Lord. Father, I thank you that you send laborers across my daughter's path that bring light to her understanding. And Lord, I take authority in the name of Jesus over every mind-blinding demonic thought that the enemy has planted in her mind. And I break it off and I pray that the path of my child grows brighter and brighter. That's what I desire. So when I go to God, I'm, I'm not trying to twist his arm and make him do something for me. Prayer, I'm cooperating with God. I'm participating with God. This is, I'm on his side. What he wants is what I want. Amen? And so this, this, this order is important for us where supply is concerned because financial need is, is it's a whole different ball game. It, it has a whole different mental attack that comes with financial need. Ask me how I know. There's such a pressure that comes on with that finance need. But you know what? It's, it's just as easy to cast down that pressure as it is to cast down any other kind of mental pressure that the enemy brings. I've got to fortify my spirit and not have an empty slate for the enemy to be transmitting images on. I've already got an image. You could walk in here and you could tell me that my puppy is a 50-pound uh, St. Bernard. But I, you can't, I won't receive that image because I've already got an image. It's already been transmitted to me. And when you've already got the, the image that God's word has transmitted and etched or imprinted on your spirit, then the enemy can come with worry and it just, it just falls off because you're like, I'm not even receiving that. Because I already know, I've already seen, I've already anticipated, I've already experienced beforehand. I've already been, been meditating on the goodness of God. I've already been seeing that bill paid off. I've already been seeing what's it going to be like when you're debt free. I've already been, been mentally imaging that, imagining. Hallelujah. That was one of the things the Lord asked me when we were, we were coming out of debt. The Lord, one of the things that, that he helped me with, he said, how are you going to shop differently when you're debt free? Before that time, if we ran out of toothpaste, that was when I got toothpaste. If we ran out of deodorant, that's when I got deodorant. Oh, we're out. Now go get some. We're out of hairspray. Go get some. We're out of, of uh, dish detergent. Go get some. And I said, Lord, when I'm debt-free, I'm going to open up my cabinets and I'm going to see the deodorant stacked up like soldiers. I'm going to have some. I'm going to a Sam's Club. I'm going to do some Costco shopping. I'm going to get bulk. I'm going to have some supply. I'm not going to have another day. I've ran out of toothpaste, and I've got to stop what I'm doing and go buy some toothpaste. See, it was a mental thing. It was a mindset. I'm, not going, I'm going to go buy some Rubbermaid, real Rubbermaid, so that I don't have to open up 10 butter containers before I find the butter. Where's the butter? No, that's green beans. Where's the butter? That's macaroni and cheese. Where's the butter? Do you see that mental change? That, I, that, there's a switch. There's a, there's, 
It's a different way of thinking. And so that anticipation, that was one of the things that God helped me with to anticipate what it was going to be like. What would, do, what would I do differently? Hallelujah. Let's go to Genesis 22. And this is a renewing of the mind. Genesis 22 is the story of Abraham offering his son Isaac, his obedience, and the provision of God in this situation. Let's begin in verse 7. Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son, here am I. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Now, we know from the book of Hebrews that Abraham had already determined in his heart that if God had to raise Isaac from the dead, he would because God had promised that his lineage would come through Isaac. So that tells me that Hollywood had it all wrong, as if I needed to question, right? Because he wasn't in fear if he was in faith. If he made it into the, the Hebrews 11 hall of fame of faith, that by faith Abraham offered us, then he wasn't crying about it, he wasn't worried about it, he wasn't agonizing over it, he wasn't dreading it. He wasn't dreading as he walked up the mountain. What did he say to the people who had traveled with him to the foot of the mountain? He said, me and my son will return. Me and the lad, we will return. What did he have? The anticipation in his mind is I'm not losing Isaac. I'm not, I'm not going up and sacrificing him and coming down without him. If God has to raise him from the dead, I'm going to obey God, and God's going to keep his word to me. And so there wasn't fear, there wasn't dread, there wasn't agony. He was not sad because he was in faith. In faith. He was in faith as he, and then he, he, he had already received Isaac from the dead in the fact that he was not able at his age to have children and Sarah had never, even when she was a young woman, never had she had the capacity to bear a child. So God had already brought him from a place of death, if you will. He'd already received him. And so he is in faith and trusting God, and he says, God will provide. So they went, both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son, not crying, not, not dreading, not sorrowful, this is temporary. I'm going to offer him, but God's going to raise him up. If Abraham had not had that legally in his heart, 
God would not have had a legal access to raise his child from the dead. But his covenant partner on the earth had that determination, God will raise him from the dead. And it says in verse 11, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And he said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do you anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. So the ram had been there. The ram didn't just wander up after Abraham obeyed. The ram was already there. It was already there before Abraham walked up. Before Abraham and Isaac arrived at that place and demonstrated faith and obedience, before he got to that place, the provision was already there. And it says, verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. My center column reference says, the Lord will see or provide. The word Jehovah-Jireh actually means the one who sees and provides. The one who sees and provides. So God sees ahead and makes provision. That's his MO. That's how he operates. There is not a need in your life that is going to catch God off guard. Like, what? You need how much money? By, by when? What? Gabriel, why didn't you tell me that? We need to get the angels together and have a board meeting here. We've got a serious issue. No, God's not caught off guard. God has looked through every day of your life, and he has already made provision. There's enough healing for every day of your life for you to live in divine health and never be sick another day in your life. There's enough financial provision there's enough of all the provision of every sort that we need because God it is in his nature as our father to look ahead in our life and see what we will need and put it in provision Amen. notice it was in the place of obedience a lot of people are experiencing struggle not you other people <laughs> I'm not pointing fingers here a lot of people are in places of struggle because they're not in a place of obedience and the provision is in the place of obedience. If he hadn't climbed the mountain, he would never have found the provision. If he hadn't obeyed God and followed the instruction of God and went where God told him to go, he would never have encountered the provision. The provision is in the place of faith and obedience. So when we're walking in the word, the, the provision for every area of our life is there. And the word prosperity in the New Testament means to, to reach the end of your destination fully supplied. 
When it says in 3 John 2, Beloved, I, I pray, I wish above all things that you would prosper. It is a word that means to come to, uh, to the end of your journey fully furnished, fully supplied. God doesn't want you to barely cross the finish line with just enough to make it through one more hour. He wants you to live the abundant, fully stocked, fully supplied life that he has made available. He has prearranged and made ready for us the good life. We've got to find the paths that God has prepared and follow them. So the, the knowledge that God in his essence God in his character, in his nature, is a God who looks ahead and provides, will cause us to respond to him differently when we encounter a situation. Because instead of going and trying to inform God about the need that we have, we realize he already knows. And I'm going to come to him and talk about the supply that he's made ready around here somewhere. I know it's here. I know it's here. There's provision here. Why? Because I'm where God told me to be. I'm doing what God told me to do. And there's provision here. Because God sees ahead and provides. Hallelujah. Psalm 89, 34. God has placed provision and not just enough increase in our lives in the form of a covenant. I have a covenant. Do you have a covenant? In our covenant, provision and increase are included established in our covenant. Psalm 89, 34. God says, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. So God's provision for us is, is not alterable. It is in a covenant form. It is established. It is a a covenant provision, just like if you had a contract and there are provisions in that contract, when you see what we refer to as a promise, we need to look at it as a covenant promise. Not a promise of I'm going to do something someday. But no, this is a provision of my contract. God said in his covenant that he will be my provider, that he is my shepherd and I shall not want. Amen? So Hebrews chapter 6 talks about that covenant and gives us the establishing, the, the, the way that God chose to deliver it so that it is an end to all question concerning it. So we, we're going to renew our mind to it. Hebrews 6, let's begin in verse 13. For when God made promise, oh, we should begin in 12, 11. <laughs> we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope and to the end. You've got to see that in the Amplified. Can you show me Amplified? 
We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence. Look at this. Glory to God. We desire for each of you to show the same diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full assurance and development of your hope. Is that our expectation? So there's going to be a diligence for us to develop our hope. There's going to be a diligence. We desire that every one of you are diligent in developing your hope. That expectation. Now, he says in verse 12 that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. That was the promise. That was the words of the promise. That was the declaration that God made. When God could, could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, and this is what he swore. Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. Praise God. That is the promise I have inherited. That's the promise you have inherited. That is yours legally now. And it is as valid today as if God himself was standing in front of you tonight with his hand raised saying, Surely, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you because you are the seed of Abraham on the earth today. Abraham's not here to receive of that inheritance on the earth, but his seed is here you and I are the seed of Abraham. If you be Christ, Galatians 3.29, you are Abraham's heir according to this promise. This is the promise you have inherited that God swore by a covenant declaration to increase you, to bless and multiply you. So after he had patiently endured, Abraham obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation to them, an end of all strife, an end of all question about it, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, that's us, he wants to show us the immutability, the unchangeableness of his promise. Do you think it hurts his heart to see how many people don't see that? That if he was so determined to show unto the heirs of promise the unchangeableness of this, but so many people don't see it. He wanted to show it, to demonstrate it. He wanted people to see, I'm serious about this. I'm not changing my mind. I've established this covenant. I will bless you. I will multiply you. But still people say, Lord, please bless me. I swore by myself. I swore by myself. Oh, Lord, please bless me. Please. 
I swore on who I am as God. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. I wanted you to see. I, I didn't just give you a promise and promise it in the covenant. I swore with an oath, with an oath on who I am that I would bless you. So do you know what would honor that? But Father, I thank you that you have blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Now, the first time I read that, I'll have to be honest with you. The first time I read it, I said, I don't need any spiritual blessings in heavenly places right now. I need some <laughs> blessings in my money. I need some blessings in my gas tank. I need some blessings in the groceries. I, need to, I don't need those spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But every natural blessing comes from that. If I've got every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, if I just have the key to know how to bring that spiritual blessing into manifestation in my finances, in my groceries, in, in my whatever, that's how I get, that's how, I, that's how the blessing in the natural comes from that blessing that's already been made mine in the realm that it, my inheritance is not held, kept, kept away from me for after I die. No, that's not how inheritance works. The one who gave you the inheritance, when they die, you get it. You don't wait till you die to get it. But so many people are waiting till they get to heaven before they get any of what God has made theirs now. I've made you an heir to a covenant of blessing. And in the covenant of blessing, there is supply and there is increase. In the covenant of blessing that I've made yours by an oath so that I would show you, so that I would demonstrate this is yours now. This is yours now. So you've got to come to me. Remember the divine order You've got to come to me in order, agreeing with me. How can two walk together except they be agreed, Amos 3.3 3 says. How can two walk together? How can I go to God and say, God, please bless me? And he's like, I already did. That would be like me looking at my husband and saying, please marry me. Marry me. I want to be Mrs. Phillips still. Please marry me. Even if we redid our vows, that doesn't make us any more married than we are right now. I can't be more married than I am. He's already married me. God's already blessed me. He's already blessed me. Yes, there is an activation and an operation. For instance, when we tithe, he throws open. Why? Because when we tithe, we've just brought, we've just brought back to God what is his. When we tithe. But we have 90%, which is our 100%, right, of what's ours. That, that, that first tithe is his, and then what's left in my possession is mine. And now, But I just brought it out of the world system. Y'all remember that back in the day when you used to go cash your check at the bank, and they, they gave you money? You don't know who had that money last night. 
That money might have been buying whiskey. That money might have been, been paying for prostitution. That money might have been rolled up in somebody snorting cocaine with it. But now it's in your pocket. Now it's in your possession. So money that last night was buying pornography is in my hand. But now I'm going to take that God's part. I'm going to honor him with it. And he's going to add the blessing to what I have now in that 90%. Well, everything that comes into my life, I need to take it through the blessing process. Amen. Right? Now, it's not tainted money. It's not dirty money. It's blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. But I don't have to beg for the blessing. Because if I do, I'm out of order. I'm telling him I need something he's already made mine. You know, what do you mean you need it? I can't make you more blessed than I've already made you in Christ. Hallelujah. In Christ, he, is, he has uh, disconnected us from the curse. That's what Galatians 3.13 says. So that we could be connected to the blessing, verse 14. Right? So what does he need to do to make me more connected to the blessing than he's already done by placing me in Christ. Can I get any more blessed? I just need to start agreeing with what he said he's done for me. I just need to see eye to eye with what he sees about my life. Hallelujah. We call it faith. Faith is agreeing with God. Faith is acting like the word of God is true. Believing the word, right? We've got to bring our expectation to the increase of God. Amen. Hallelujah. We've got to bring our expectation to the supply of God, to the increase of God. We've got to guard our heart with all diligence against any words that try to transmit an image of struggle. Hear me, faith builders. You won't struggle. You will thrive. The word says you will flourish because you are planted in the house of the Lord. So this morning I gave uh, some scriptures that I want you to dial in to every day. And I'm going to give them again for those of you who weren't here this morning. Uh, these are homework I want you to put them in your eyes and in your ears, and I want you to speak them to yourself until you transmit the image of these scriptures, these, these declarations of God. I want that image transmitted into you because the enemy's working overtime to get the wrong image transmitted into you. But as your pastor, I'm going to help you inoculate yourself. God wants to inoculate you against that struggle image. Or that lack image. Job 8, 7. Job 8, 7 says, Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. The King James says your latter end should greatly increase. Holman Christian Standard Bible says, Even if your beginnings were modest, your final days will be full of prosperity. Psalm 65, 11 through 13. You crown the year with your goodness. And your paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness. 
and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. They also sing. I want to read this one from the Bible in basic English as well. The year is crowned with the good you give. Life-giving rain is dropping from your footsteps. Falling on the grass of the wasteland and the little hills are glad on every side. The grassland is thick with flocks. The valleys are full of grain. They give glad cries and songs of joy. If you've got pastures full of flocks and valleys full of grain, you've got increase operating. Psalm 67, 5 through 7. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. I'm telling you, God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. He wants it more than you know. There are, there are supplies that God has made ours that we haven't yet received, and he wants us to receive them more, more than, than we even know. Hallelujah. Psalm 68 and verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Transmit that image every day. Say that. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads me with benefits. Psalm 71, 21. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. And the word comfort means to strengthen or fortify. You will increase my greatness and strengthen me, fortify me on every side. Zechariah 10 and verse 8. I'm going to use New King James. It says, I will whistle for them and gather them. The King James uses the word hiss, and that sounds kind of weird unless you've ever been a farmer. Because my granddaddy made some funny noises to call the cows. He would get out there to call those cows, and you were like, I've never heard a sound like that in all my life. And he only made it to call the animals, you know, and they would hear it and come running from whatever far pasture they were in. Here come the cows, because they heard him, him whistle for them. It wasn't a whistle. It was, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> not even going to try. I will whistle for them and gather them, for I will redeem them, and they shall increase as they once increased. Psalm 105, 24, he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Psalm 92, 12 through 15, the righteous, that's you, shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. And then finally, Psalm 85, 12. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. You need to tell your land. Tell your life. Pull out your wallet. Put it on the table and prophesy to it. 
tell it how it's going to be. You are abundantly supplied. I have given, and it is given unto me. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I have all sufficiency in all things. And I am bound to every good work. Hallelujah. That is, is activating that promise in your life. So do your homework, please. Do your homework. And not only guard against the wrong information being transmitted into your heart, but also purposefully put in increased images transmitted by the Word of God into your spirit so that you see yourself so fully supplied. I, I have Brother Robert and Sister Rose here today. They're from CAPS Ministries. We're going to be doing some filming with Sister Annette this week. And I, I just want to, to uh, remind us about one of the stories. When, when Charles Caps was beginning to get a hold of the word, he said, I had had, I'd read right and wrong thinking by Brother Hagen. I had just enough that God could speak to me. He was praying and he was telling God that it wasn't working. And God said, I would appreciate it if you quit telling me what the devil is saying to you. And so he he said, Lord, uh, what do I do? And the Lord said, I want you to go to my word and get the scriptures and, and spend time putting those scriptures into you. So he took a yellow legal pad and he wrote out the verses and he made it in a way that was him personally declaring them. He wrote out that yellow legal pad, tore the page off, put it in his pocket, and when he would be out driving the tractor, he would take a break and get out and walk between the turn rows with his yellow piece of paper, and he would declare those things. He said it was about a, a year of him declaring those things, and the transmitting that image, I'm going to use that phrase just because it's what God has given us tonight. He was transmitting that image. He said, I came into the house one day and I told my wife, I feel so rich, but there's not any money in the bank. I feel so rich. I've got money. And he, he, said, uh, all, he said he was praying about a certain piece of property in the Lord uh, that he, he had said some years ago, someday I'd like to have that place. And he was farming on that property. And the person who owned that property called him and said, we're getting ready to sell that property. Would you be interested in it? Now listen, he's been spending all of this time putting the right image into him. And he said on the phone, he said, yes, I'd like to buy that property. And I'll come over and talk to you about it. And he hung up the phone. And when he hung up the phone, his wife said, how are you going to buy that property? And he said, money is no problem. Amen. And he said, when it came out of my mouth, it shocked him that he said it. Money is no problem. Where did it come from? It came from that image he had been, he, he could see something that he couldn't see. He could see it in a place that was more sure and more valid 
Guaranteed. Why? Because it had the evidence. Faith is the evidence, the substance, the title deed. He had the word of God transmitting an image, and he ended up getting that property and making, uh, making lots of money off that property. He, I, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but he said, by the time I ended up with that property, money was no problem. He said, if I had been going through that same situation without having put the word in my heart, mouth, or in my heart and in my mouth, he said, I would have, when I got to the bank and the bank said, we're not going to loan you that money, I would have said, the devil always throws a monkey wrench in it. That's what always happens to me because that's how he had been talking before. But he said, when they, when they told me they weren't going to loan me the money that they said they were going to loan me for that property, he said, I just started praying in the spirit. And the Lord said, go across the street to the other bank. And he said, well, I don't have an account in his mind, but if you're telling me. So he walked over and the person said, sure, we'll loan it to you. And he said, money was no problem. Hallelujah. When we allow the word to transmit the image of God, we are easily, we are easily directed by God. If we have the wrong image in us, it's hard for God to get us to move in the right direction. Because the, all the doubt and the fear will hold us back from taking the steps he's directing us to take. But when we, when we fill ourselves with the word of God and transmit the image of God's word into our heart, then when he speaks to us, it'll be easy for him to direct us in the, in the, in the area that seems unreasonable. It seems like it's not to the natural mind, but because our, we're seeing something that our natural mind can't see, your spirit can see things your mind can't see. Your spirit can know things your head doesn't know. And if you'll, if you'll feed your spirit, it'll be a safe guide for the Holy Spirit to, to communicate to you, for God to direct you through. Praise God. I believe I've helped you. I've helped me. Let's honor the Lord with the tithe and the offering before we dismiss tonight. We are grateful for the opportunity that God gives us to be in covenant with him where our finances are concerned. Uh, if you are uh, desiring to sow tonight, there are offering envelopes available in the pocket of the chair in front of you. We also have text to give code FBIC for general tithe and offerings, plus whatever dollar amount to the number 28950. If you're giving in to the Every Available Voice Project, which we also refer to as Project 2414, it is based on Matthew 2414, and that, through that project we are preaching the gospel on two, uh, in two languages uh, in multiple places throughout the United States. And so that is our current uh, goal for the year that is both English and Spanish broadcasts in the uh, full goal and we are already 7.34% complete in our project so we call it paid in full paid in advance we ended last year in a paid in advance flow before the end of the year it was paid in full and so we entered into the year in a paid-for flow, and we're going to maintain our paid-for flow because we increase. God shall increase us more and more.
Amen. As we prepare to sow tonight, go ahead and stand with me to your feet. Gentlemen, if you'll come, and you may come rejoicing. Praise God. He's so good to us. So good, so good. On our television broadcast this week, we are still on Teach Me and Lead Me. This is a study guide. You can go to the YouTube channel and watch the videos on YouTube, and you can... Follow along with the study guide. It has questions. It's a great tool for your personal study or if you have like a family, uh, a, a, a family Bible study or a, a Bible study at work, I encourage you to take advantage of the, uh, uh, stay right there, brother. Uh, take advantage of the tool that has been prepared for you to help you grow in these things that pastor and I have been teaching. This one is the one that pastor did previously on the framework of faith, and it is a great uh, tool for you to be able to study. So uh, there are uh, other things available for your growth. We want to help you grow in the things of God. Let's lift up our offering to the Lord. Father, we are so honored that you have brought us into your covenant and made us heirs and joint heirs. We're grateful for the blessing. And Father, as we present our offerings, our tithes to you, we recognize you as the source of our life. We honor you, Lord, as the one who has made us. You are the provider in our life, and we love you. Father, I just release your blessing over your people, and I pronounce that as they walk in your light, they are operating in the fullness of the blessing and increasing in the knowledge of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Praise God. Let's declare our vision before we close. Praise God. The vision of our church will always be to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.